This is Retail Retold, the story of how that store ended up in your neighborhood. I'm your host, Chris Ressa, and I invite you to join my conversation with some of the retail industry's biggest influencers. This podcast is brought to you by DLC Management. Welcome to Retail Retold, everyone. Today we have Gene Zanetti. Gene is a friend and former college wrestling teammate of mine. Gene is the founder and uh, owner of Winning Mindset. And I'll let Gene tell a little bit more about what he does, his journey, and his business. Welcome to the show, Gene. Chris, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, man. So tell us a little bit about you and Winning Mindset. All right, so I guess we have to take it from the top. So me and both my younger brothers, we were always very close. We wrestled from a young age, played baseball and football also. Uh, by the time high school came around, we started really focusing on wrestling. And I, t- I wound up taking third in the state. Both of my brothers took second. We realized just how mental sports are. I would always consider myself more of a practice room wrestler. Like if we had the state tournament in practice, I feel like I would want it. And probably pretty big. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. But I did a lot better in practice than matches, right? And then obviously, so me, and my brothers, we wound up wound up competing in college. Obviously, we were teammates at Rutgers. Then I transferred to Penn for my last two years. University of Pennsylvania. Me and my brother Jeff were teammates there. We were both nationally ranked all Ivy League. Our brother Greg, he was the best out of the three of us. Was ranked as high as sixth in the country. Two time academic All American over at Rutgers. And again, it's it's just mindset. All three of our careers mindset. We did a lot of things well. There was a lot of areas we needed to improve. Now during that time, you know, well, well coming from an Italian family, you don't have to look for advice. Advice finds you. Right. right. So <laughs> That's for so sure. By the time I was around a junior in high school, my mom would say, you know, you better start thinking about what you want to do with your life. So I said, okay, I don't know. My dad's an accountant. So I guess maybe I'll be an accountant. So I took an elective in high school accounting. I also took psychology because a friend recommended I would do that. And said it was a cool class. I hated accounting, loved psychology. So, and at one point in time, we, we had like a mock interview or a mock counseling session. It was a total disaster, but that was like an aha moment. I said to myself, if these people were taking it serious, I think I could have helped them. This right. is what I want to do with my life. So it was boom, I want to be a psychologist. Then. And I was not, not a big reader in high school. One time I went to a Barnes & Noble, or it was Borders, that, that bookstore, and I was in the self-help section, came across a book titled Fight Your Fears and Win. I was probably a freshman at Rutgers at this time, and that, that was basically a sports psychology book. I never heard of sports psychology. I really needed it. So I read the book, and I said, this is what I want to do. I want to be a sport psychologist. So then at that point at Rutgers, I started gearing towards that. Sophomore year of Rutgers, I had a great teammate and friend, Chris Ressa, put a book in front of me and say, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Zanetti, you need to read this by Robert Kiyosaki. And after I read that book, that was another aha moment, one of those three aha moments. I said, I want to be a business owner in sports psychology. So that was kind of like the journey of how it clicked in my mind. So at that point, Applied for a master's degree program after Penn, went to Springfield College. My master's degree was in sports psycho- exercise science and sports psychology. Um, wound up transferring to, well, no, finished that degree, went to LaSalle University for my doctorate. Wound up actually 
getting dishonorably discharged, kicked out of the program after 45 doctoral credits because I got a C in statistics. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I passed my first competency exam, but I, but you can't get it. You can't get a C in a doctoral program. So I got knocked out of there. Okay. What am I going to do with my life? So I come back home to New Jersey. I, I go to Montclair State to get a second master's degree, which I wasn't thrilled about, but I needed to do something. All my eggs were in this basket to be a sports psychologist. I don't know what else I'm going to do. So I said, maybe school psychology. I'll be a school psychologist and I'll build my business during this time. Now, at this time, I was already taking individual mindset clients over the phone and I was already speaking with teams and wrestling clubs. So, in a sense, I was building a business while I was getting my first master's degree and while I was at LaSalle. But it wasn't formal. It was taking clients and teams on the side. So at Montclair, I was a personal trainer over at um, Robert Wood Johnson Fitness and Wellness, near where my parents live, uh, by Edison. And I met a guy who I was personally training there. And he said, oh, he loved a lot of my ideas. He said, I'll be your first investor. So he was the original business partner with me, my brother Jeff, and my brother Greg. But it started with him, who is already a businessman. Anyway, he wound up leaving the company a year or two into it. And then my brother Jeff and I, we started running hard with it. Jeff was a financial advisor at Merrill Lynch. I was going to school for school psychology. I had six months into, my, into the career and then basically left that. Jeff left his job as a financial advisor and we started running hard with winning mindset, which was originally just wrestling mindset. We niche marketed it. We said, we're going to work with wrestlers, sports psychology by wrestlers, for wrestlers. And then with the intention that we're going to eventually branch out to other sports and then hopefully in the future, business, fitness, and these other offshoots. So that's a fantastic story. So you did this wrestling mindset thing. Then you, you branched off into sports. How long has this business been alive? So informally, I started taking, if you remember that success hotline that, we, that, I, was, that I would call in college, Dr. Yep. Rob Gilbert, sports psychology professor at Montclair State. He's been a great mentor of mine. Every day he has what's called the success hotline, a three and a half minute message. He's been doing it since 1992, every single day. Wow. So I started wrestling. Well, this guy, he said when I was getting my master's degree, he said, you could just call yourself a sports psychology expert. You can't say you're a psychologist. He said, you could start right now, start taking clients, give a free presentation at a wrestling club, and then charge individual clients. So I started doing that back in 2008. 2012, we formalized the business. So 2008, I was at my master's degree at Springfield. Then there's LaSalle. Then there's Montclair. That's around 2012. That's when we officially started the business, me and my brother, Jeff. So 2012. And since then, how big has this business gotten? How many you have? You have a team of employees. You have independent contractors. Talk about the size. Yeah. So in 2012, oh boy, what did we have? We probably had about 15 clients, 15 individual clients. we didn't have any teams that year. We started taking teams the next year. Yeah, so I, th- I think the first year it was at, first year we did this, we wound up making, I think it was like 12,000. Wow. Between me and my brother. Right? <laughs> okay. So right. that's, why, that's why at first we needed to, we, we were still working our other jobs. Yep. That was 2012. Um, 
Well, anyway, last year we, br- we brought in very close to a million, just under a million. Wow. And in the beginning, uh, you know, that's, that's obviously gross. Yep. But in the beginning, I was providing 100% of the services. The first year, I was taking every team and every individual. So I probably had 20 teams and 20 individuals in year two. Uh, this year, the past year, I took two teams and had like two individuals. So we have a staff of 65 independent contractors, and, and they're all across the country. They're coast to coast. And those, those contract, independent contractors are teaching the mindset program, and right. you have a sales team that's going out and getting the business. Right. Well, there's, there's um, some of them, some of the mindset coaches are salesmen yep. and what we call, and what we call uh, club runners. That's how I started the business. Speaking at a wrestling club, you speak at the club, you have the parents sign in, then you call the parents and then you make the sales that way. And yep. then coaches conventions. So we know the parents are at these sports clubs. So that's where we need to go to get individual clients and the coaches go to state and national coaching conventions. So we present at the coaching conventions for teams and we present at sports clubs for free uh, for the individuals. And you now are ventured, you moved from wrestling and you moved into other sports. Right. So just before COVID struck, we had 200, about 250 teams and 250 individuals on our program. Wow. And, and so you've diversified, you went into all these sports and then the next piece I want to talk about is COVID hit and it affected all sports, which affected your business. Right. And so <laughs> what did you start to do at that point? Cause Gene, I know does not give up. No, can't stop. Won't right. stop. <laughs> so, so what happened was as soon as I saw we were getting shut down, I mean, we literally called a company meeting the next day. We didn't take any time to lick our wounds or anything like that. We said, all right, listen, what does history teach us? History teaches us that during times like this massive adversity at like a national or global scale, there's some people that go broke and there's other people that become multimillionaires, right? There's some athletes, this is going to ruin their career. And there's other ones that are just going to soar to the next level. I said, we're going to be that second group. We're taking this to the next level. You know, that doesn't happen automatically. Of course, I know that takes a long time, but we're getting started right now. So we started throwing around ideas. What, what can we be doing? And one of the things we did, we started our meeting of the minds, the interview that we had, that we had you on. So we started speaking to different athletes, different coaches, successful business people, and just making connections and just pumping out a lot of information. We said at that business meeting also that, you know, whenever there's, whenever there's adversity, there's opportunity. So we are going to focus on what opportunity is here. We're going to make a lot of connections. We're going to pump out a lot of free value just a lot of value. And, and, yep. and you pivoted your business. You started taking on a new world of clients and those were the business world clients. Right. Right. So we started doing, we said since 2015, we worked with several sales teams, but they were one, they were one off deals. They came to us. So as an example, the announcer for Rutgers wrestling was a former heavyweight there, Sean Dedine. Um, he's 40 under 40, like yourself. He came to us when he was working at Aerotech, a recruiting company. He was the sales manager. And he said, why don't you come in and work with our sales team? Just do what you do with sports teams. Because he knew we worked with the Olympic team and some of the top colleges and high schools in the country. So we came in, worked with this team. He loved it. He left that job to start his dream, his own business, the Axel Group, a recruiting company. He brought us in there. That was one of our best success stories. But that was a one-off deal. Then one of the wrestling teams we've worked with for years in Utah, American Fork High School, 
in the summer, he was working a job selling uh, pest control door to door. So he connected us with that team and we started working with, with them on their sales strategy. Not, not so much strategy, but their mindset. AXA Financial, I think they're a global 500 or something like that company. And we were working with them. That was one of my former wrestling teammates in middle school. He was a star football player in high school. He knew about what I do. He brought me in to work with this team. So they were all one-off deals. Now we said during this time, let's approach corporate America, sales teams um, for the peak performance mindset, and then also approaching HR for mental health, wellness, because a lot of people are struggling now, unprecedented yep. times. And have you been landing business? Yeah, we, we, so we've just been starting with um, introduction sessions with the teams. Awesome. So, That's yeah, great. So what we do with all the teams that we work with or everyone we speak to, we're happy to do free introduction sessions for anyone, right? Give the value first. Yep. Expect nothing in return. So we've been, we've been doing a lot of that. So we've got our introduction sessions with a lot of teams. And now you can see things are ready to start really kicking into gear. So I think something interesting, you, so you're a sports psychologist. No, um, no. I have a master's degree in sports psychology. My master's second degree, degree is in clinical psychology. So I'm a school psychologist, but I'm not a doctoral psychologist. Got it. Okay. <laughs> I, the LaSalle story. I got it. But you, you were hired by, you worked with the Olympic team. Yep. The um, United States Greco-Roman team and the United States um, women's freestyle team. And what did you do with them? So I went out to Colorado Springs and I worked there t those teams personally. So I did face-to-face, um, -face, the, the same mindset program we normally do. So it's very different than motivational speaking or counseling or therapy. I love all those things. I follow a lot of motivational speakers on Instagram. Of course, I love counseling and therapy. That's what I went to school for. But mindset training is much more like strength training for your mind. So what it so, is, is we have a curriculum so, and they fill out the curriculum. Yeah. So go more into that. Cause I think that's a good distinction. You're not doing motivational speaking, you're doing mindset training. So talk about that a little bit more, expand on that. Right. So, so we look at it as the, the whole analogy is strength training for your mind. Okay. It's better yeah. to do a little, a little, a lot than to do a lot, a little, right? Got so it. what most teams, what most sales teams and businesses do First of all, the focus is predominantly on the, the X's and O's, right? The technical training. Almost everyone says success, whether it's sports, sales, or school. Most people say your success is 90% mental, but they train 90% yeah. technical. Sure. So you want to work hard and smart. So it's the same concept with mindset training. You can't just think about bench pressing or doing squats or deadlifting. You have to get into the gym and you have to lift the weight. It's the same thing with mindset. If you're just listening to a motivational speech, even if they're one of these big names that come in and speak to your organization, it's great. It is motivating. But overall, it's more entertainment. I mean, how much are people really gaining, right, long term? So for us, with, just like we do with our sports teams, it's these micro-learning sessions on a regular basis with the teams where they're going through our systematic mindset program. All of our, we have 80 mindset lessons. And it's putting the pen to paper, doing the exercises. So if someone wanted to get stronger legs, you would know what to tell them. They got a squat, deadlift, thigh curls, leg extensions, uh, leg yeah. press, step-ups. You'd be able to rattle them off like that. But if someone asked you, well, how do you build confidence? It's a little bit tougher. Yeah. It's the same exact thing, though. You need to know the exercises. So I give you the, 
eight to 10 exercises to build confidence. If it's relaxing under pressure, you're struggling with nerves. What do you do to relax under pressure? Most coaches will say, well, just calm down. Well, how do I calm down? Just relax. And it's circular logic and the wheels on the bus go round and round. So we so give you this is really interesting and thought provoking. I think a lot of people in the business world, right? We, we talk about this all the time. How do you gain, you know, they got to be get confident and how does one gain confidence and train confidence? That is a, it's kind of up here in the air and it's hard to wrap your head around. Right. So, and, and maybe we'll come back to that one, but let's, let's talk about, we're going to talk about top five business mindset tips from Gene Zanetti. So, uh, I love lists. So, uh, let's go and, and I might ask some questions on these. Let's, let's go for number five. What's a, uh, a a number five top, a top five business mindset tip. Okay. So just quickly, what we do with the teams, we have our teams go through the, whether it's sports or sales, the first thing they do is they go through the mindset principles. There's four of them, but there's actually one that I was thinking of adding. So it's a perfect top five. All right, let's do it. What are the mindset principles? we go through with the team. So the first one, so number five, we'll say, I'm, I'm thankful for the opportunity to work. Starts with an attitude of gratitude. Okay. You go to any local hospital, nursing home, you see there's people that can't move and can't think the way we can. Also during this whole COVID thing, you learn to have that attitude of gratitude. The opposite of depression is not happiness. I didn't realize that, but during my doctoral program, I learned the opposite of being sad and depressed is being thankful being grateful. So number one has to be, I'm thankful for the opportunity to work. Got it. Number, Keep going. Back. number four, I'm aggressive and relentless. Okay. So that attitude, most people who are successful with few exceptions, they're hustlers, they're go-getters, they get after it. You've got to err on the side of being gutsy. If you've got to err on the side of being cautious or gutsy, you've got to play to win in life, not, not to lose. So you're aggressive, you're going for it, you're pulling the trigger. And relentless means you're sustaining that aggression the whole time. You don't start pumping the brakes. You keep going. Uh, number three, three. Four is I have no fear of losing or making mistakes. And that's the big one. That's the number one thing that holds, that holds people back, right? They're afraid of losing. They're afraid of making mistakes. The worst person to go against in a war is the soldier who says, today's a great day to die. They're willing to put it on the line. You look at history, the greatest warriors, the U.S. military, the Spartans, the samurai, the Aztecs, they have two things in common. Number one, they know what they believe. That's what we're going through right here, our principles, right, our top five list. And number two, they're willing to die. In other words, they're willing to put it on the line. So in sales and business, we know it's not a life or death matter. I mean, of course, we have to feed our families, but one particular sale is not life or death, but they're willing to put it on the line. And that's as a result of knowing what you believe. So number three is I have no fear of losing or making mistakes. We're not going to get sucked into what other people are thinking about us. We're not too focused on the results. We're focused on things within our control. We could talk about that later if you want the difference between the predator and the prey mindset. Number two is I never, ever give up. As you said before, there's got to be no quit inside you. And you could quit while things are going poorly, but you could also quit when things are going really well. So yep. it's like, like in sports, if you're winning by, you know, five points in a wrestling match, you could say, all right, I'm, I'm going to coast here or you can oh, get I've a little that. bit tougher and you could say, now we're going to step, we're going to stick them in the ground. We're going to step right on their throat. Right. So having that attitude where you're, you're going all in, even if you're winning and then the same thing in, in business, just not being content, even if things are going really well. 
And obviously the tough time is when things are not going well, but that's where your character is revealed. Tough times, that's, that reveals your character. And number one is I trust in the process because it's a journey. It takes a lot of time. Uh, you know, you spend most of your life on the plateau. There's improvements and there's a plateau. I think that's the book, um, Mastery by George Leonard. And he talks about that. There's, there's success, plateau for a long time, then some more success, and then plateau for a long time. So you're going to spend most of your life on a plateau, being comfortable with that, trusting the process, and knowing as long as you keep doing what you need to do, working both hard and smart, that means technically on the X's and O's, and mindset, of course, because we're saying it's 90% mental, our success, you could trust that process is going to pay off. Um, okay. So our uh, interesting principles, uh, you mentioned before, I think confidence is an interesting topic. How does one build confidence, Gene? All right. First of all, confidence is mostly, it's mostly about what you're focused on. Okay. So if you're focusing on things you do well and past successes, you're going to be confident. If you focus on things you're not so good at or past failures, you're not going to be very confident. Concrete example I could think of is my brother, Greg, at Rutgers. He's ranked sixth in the country, and I visited him at his, at his apartment, and on his desk was all different areas of improvement, everything he needed to work on in practice. Okay, that's great. You want, to, you want to know what you have to work on. I said to him, okay, where's your list of all the things you're doing well? And he couldn't name it. He couldn't name anything. At that moment, ranked sixth in America, he couldn't tell me one thing he was doing well. So even though he was doing really well, where's his confidence? Probably very low. Now, confidence doesn't mean you're just looking at everything through rose-colored lenses, but we know the top executives, um, leaders, teachers, parents, coaches, they have a three-to-one praise-to-critique ratio. I've even heard it's as high as five-to-one praise-to-critique ratio. Well, you're a coach too. Everyone's a coach. You're always coaching yourself. So your praise-to-critique ratio needs to be three-to-one or even five-to-one. So what makes most people confident is they're focusing on what they did well and what are their strengths. So you need to know that. You need to be able to easily recall what your strengths are. If I'm walking into a presentation and I think I'm one of the shortest guys in the room, you know, I, I, I broke out of my forehead with some pimples. Um, I, oh, I didn't really do that, that well giving a presentation two years ago. My confidence is going to be in the toilet. But if I remind myself of all the things I do well, I'll be very confident. So the key is this. Here's the mindset exercise. Easy to say, but that's not practical. It's putting it down on paper, writing down a list of all your strengths in whatever area you're trying to be confident in, and then making a long list of all your past successes in that area. So that's one where. So we've a whole, we have a whole 10-day confidence crash course. So I could just literally take you through these exercises. Your body language. The simplest way to change the way you feel is to change the way you move right? So you have to know what confidence looks like. Generally speaking, confidence is not closed body language, head down, speaking softly, not making good eye contact. It's good eye contact. Project your voice, larger body movements. You need to know what that looks like first. So writing it down on paper, what is, your, what is positive body language? Who are some examples of positive body language? That would be a third example. Who are some of your success models? So who are successful people that you know? Who looks successful? Well, write that down. What do they look like? 
how can you weave that into what you do? Another way to build competence is competence. Confidence builds competence and competence builds competence. Get better at your skill, hone your craft, get a lot of reps in. So writing out a plan, how you're gonna get, if it's, if it's giving a presentation, practicing that presentation over and over and over. If it's giving a pitch over the phone in uh, selling, you need to know what that looks like. You should be able to do that without even thinking. That's reps. The more competence you build, the greater your competence is. So that, and there's, <laughs> and there's other there's exercises. Yeah, we totally. What are some other, this is, I think this is unique to this podcast and these listeners. What are some other things that people are, you know, kind of aha moments that people have in your mindset training, some, you know, lessons in the, the mindset curriculum? Anything else? One more. I think, really that fo- I think it's really that focus. Like I was saying before, that predator prey mindset. So all great leaders, teachers, and coaches, they all say the same thing. Focus on what you could control. Forget about what you can't control. Everyone's yep. heard that. There's no one who hasn't heard that. I say but that a I, lot to my team. Right. But how do you get that message to stick? Right? right. And we've come up with this great analogy that we found works just as well with youth athletes to the Olympic team to our UFC fighters, right to our high-level executives and sales teams. And it's talking about the predator and prey mindset. So at Penn, I took an animal behavior class, and we learned there's two types of animals, predator and prey. And you could tell the difference between those animals by their eyes. So if you look at predator animals, like lions and tigers and bears, where are their eyes, on the front of their head or on the side? On the front. Right. Why? Because they're focused on their prey. Right. They're focused on what they're looking to do. So we say eyes on the front like to hunt. Now when you think about prey animals, squirrels, chipmunks, rabbits, deer, maybe we have some hunters watching the show. Where are their eyes located, front or the side? Side. Why? Because they are trying to make sure no one's coming for them. Right. So just like we say eyes on the front like to hunt, eyes on the side like to hide. Tweet that. So <laughs> you need to have tweetable moments, right? So the so the key is this: that becomes an analogy for your success in business, your success in life or sports, you name it. If you have a predator mindset, you're focusing on things within your control. Broadly speaking, that's your lifestyle, your preparation, and then on game day, the day you perform, that's all in the bank. Lifestyle and preparation are in the bank. Now there's only three things you could focus on. Effort, attitude, and aggressiveness. That's predator mindset. Whether you're giving a big presentation, whether you're speaking in front of a bunch of people, wrestling, finals, championship, um, sales call, whatever it is. Effort, attitude, and aggressiveness. That's in your control. Everything else becomes prey mindset. Comparing yourself to other people. In sports, focusing on records, rankings, seedings, predictions. Thinking about what, what are other people thinking about me? That's the big thing that holds most people back. What are other people's opinions of me? Um, focusing too much on success or failure, winning or losing. That's prey mindset because that's not directly in your control. So you focus on your preparation, your lifestyle, and the day of a competition, effort, attitude, and aggressiveness. That's predator mindset. Everything else is prey mindset. It filters everything out. It's easy to remember, and it sticks. All right. So one more time, the preparation and lifestyle that's right. in the bank. That's the before. Right. And then a day of any it's effort, attitude and aggressiveness. 
Right. That's right. how you focus on what you control. That's it. That's it. Because you can't control whether you get the sale or not. You can't control how other people are going to respond to you if you're going to get the yes. But positive attitude all the time. And it's not easy. See, a lot of people think of like with um, mindset training, oh, it's all, let's hold hands in a circle and sing Kumbaya. That's not, that's not positive mindset. Positive mindset is you're having a bad day. Things aren't going well. And, and you're stubbornly positive and optimistic. It's hard to do. The last thing you want to do when you're having a bad day is think of three things you're thankful for. But that's why it's important. You need to do that exercise when you're having the bad day. And then effort. Are you going all out? Or are you holding back? Only you know the answer to that. And then the same thing with our aggressiveness. Err on the side of gutsy. Play to win, not not to lose. Don't focus on the win or loss, but play to win. Get after it. Awesome. I think you really articulated it. You know, I was going to say, do you have a, you know, a business example of those five things? But I think, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. But uh, yeah, and it's that, life, and it's life too. Because you know what? Again, is now the school psychologist coming out of me. Not only are you more likely to blow it in the biggest sale of your life or in the biggest meeting of your life if you have a prey mindset, that's also what's most likely to have people either hooked on drugs, depressed, anxious, um, suicidal, all those terrible things, like those real low areas of life. That's directly related to that prey mindset because we're focusing too much on comparing ourselves to other people and what do other people think about us. So it's just a great analogy for your entire life. Awesome. All right, Gene, this has been great. Anything that you, you would like to get out there about mindset training or mindset that we didn't talk about that might be thought provoking? Um, there's so much to talk about. I guess a good thing is one of the things we did during COVID, we started a daily text message, daily motivation blast. So if anyone wanted to jump on that, if you text mindset one to eight, four, five, seven, six, we should have a daily text message. It's free. It's just a little kick in the pants to get you going. Our website, zwinningmindset.com. I could send you any of that. Um, anyway, awesome. We'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. We'll put that in the show notes. All right. Last part of our show, we have, I've got two questions for you, Gene. Shoot. Are you ready? Ready. All right. Question one. What extinct retailer do you wish would come back from the dead? I'd have to say Toys R Us now that my kids are, I've, I've two under two. So and it's a shame they're growing up without Toys R Us. So I have to say them. Brought a lot of joy to me as a kid. Okay. So we mentioned earlier before we got on the show, we were talking about working out. And yeah, you, you haven't bench pressed in a while because uh, you don't have a bench press at your house. So I am looking at coles.com i am on the uh the weeder olympic workout bench with squat rack what does that retail for gene a bench press with a squat rack yep weeder and i can't go over right that's prices right <laughs> you can it, it, it you shouldn't go over right weeder with the squat rack 1500 199 dollars what <laughs> Check it out, Gene. What kind of them? Yes, but is this going to break on me? That's what I want to know. I, 199 bucks. I'm not squatting on that thing. There you go. Get out. 199. Looks pretty good, Gene. Not so bad. you definitely didn't go over. You were way off, but thank you for playing. 
<laughs> All right. Thanks for having me. Great stuff, Chris. Yeah, this was awesome, man. Um, so one more time, where can people find you? So zwinningmindset.com. And again, we work with individuals. We work with teams. We're happy to do a free introductory session, you know, 20, 30 minutes just to get you a feel for what it is. And it's something, if, it's, if you like it, you have nothing to lose. You keep moving forward. If not, no big deal. Awesome. Listen, Gene, this has been great. Thanks so much, man. Absolutely, brother. Take care. Thank you for listening to Retail Retold. If you want to share a story about a retail real estate deal that you were a part of on our show, please reach out to us at retailretold at dlcmgmt.com. This show highlights the stories behind the deals from all perspectives. So it doesn't matter if you are a retailer, broker, entrepreneur, architect, or an attorney. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Retail Retold so you don't miss out on next Thursday's episode.